At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. the cryptid keeper podcast the podcast for cryptids and their keepers that's us and if you're listening it's you too i'm alex flanagan and i'm addison peacock i feel like i changed the pacing of that a bit today which was like a little bit intentional once we got started it's kind of like you know when you say the pledge of allegiance every single morning in public school from the time you're four until the time you're 18 and it's like eventually you realize that you're not even saying the words anymore. You're just sort of repeating the cadence of sounds that everyone says the exact same way every time they say it. Yes. It's wild. So I just wanted to bring myself out of that rut and make sure I was really revisiting the meaning and intention of the words that I used to start off the episode. So how did it feel? It was good. No, I liked it. Yeah. I apologize for any weird energy or um, any numbness in my speaking. I have been chugging this uh, frozen hot chocolate that I made because it is like 97 degrees and 300% humidity in this stupid place where I live. Oh, no. Um, And I always do this thing where, like, I like to chew on ice. And there are ice crystals in this. So I've just been, like, happily chomping on my ice bits. And I always forget that that makes it very difficult to articulate clearly. So that's where we're at today. That's fair. You know what? It makes sense. It's summertime. It's hot out. So hot out. I feel like we all want to, like find ways to cool off. Like some people, uh, they go to the pool. Some people have popsicles or whatever, frozen hot chocolates. Some people go to the beach. Do some people by any chance have encounters with a specific cryptid you're segueing toward? (laughs) I don't know. You know what, Alex, before I really like dig deep into this, I would like to paint you a picture. Okay, please do that. Imagine a world where geneticist Nathan Sands and his daughter Nicole are hired by the U.S. Navy to create a new weapon. They create an intelligent shark that has the tentacles of an octopus, dubbed S-11. They control the creature using electromagnetic pulses with a device attached to its head. During one of the test missions, it discards the device before traveling to Mexican waters to find food. And that is the plot of the movie Sharktopus. And, I don't know if you know this, Alex... But the sharktopus, it's real. Are you doing an episode on freaking sharktopus? I'm not doing an episode on sharktopus. I'm doing an episode on the Luska, which is a shark octopus that lives in the waters of the Bahamas. Ooh, what a fun little zag. Yes. So sharktopus? you are doing an episode about sharktopus. Yes, but it's not called sharktopus. We're not going to call it that. That's It lacks dignity. Uh, bold of you to assume I'm not going to call it that. <laughs> to be fair, there is some debate about if it actually has the, like, shark parts of the sharktopus or if it is just some kind of giant octopus that, like... Some sort of fishtopus. Or just some sort of giant octopus that, like, the way it swims makes its head look kind of a shape of, like, a shark's head. Um, but for my own purposes, I think it's more fun to assume it's a sharktopus. But before I get into the actual, like, study of the cryptid, I did want to mm-hmm. linger a bit on sharktopus. Sure. That is the I've never seen Sharktopus, uh, but it is featured obviously in several sci-fi movies. Addison, and it cover is your ears like sci-fi real quick. channel. Uh huh. Just cover your ears real, real, real quick. Give me like ten seconds and then come back. Okay. Hey, listeners, I want you to keep track of how many times Addison says Sharktopus, despite adamantly insisting she's not going to use that word. So far, it's like six. Hi. Hi. Um, you should know that it's different when I refer to the movie versus referring to the cryptid. I'm just saying that apropos of nothing. Apropos like, just of nothing? Know. Nothing um, that you heard, possibly, while you were supposed to have your ears covered as an investment of my trust in you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So the film creature is featured on the lesser-known kaiju Sorry, what Wicked? film creature? I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, is featured in three separate films. First of all, there's just a little, just it's a little wiki. The appearance, it is a great white shark with octopus tentacles replacing the tails, spikes on the gills, and long fins. It is featured in three separate movies. The first movie is, of course, called Sharktopus. The, uh, the third movie, the second movie is called, uh, Sharktopus versus Terracuda, which is, of course, a pterodactyl barracuda. Well, naturally. Uh, and then, 
there's a TBA movie uh, called Sharktopus versus Whale Wolf. Oh, that's amazing. I love every single bit of that. Also, if I'm not mistaken, Conan O'Brien is in Sharktopus versus Terracuda, but that's... Thank God. If you would like some spoilers for Sharktopus vs. Terracuda, here's a little brief summary. The sequel to the original, the movie starts where the previous ended, but it is shown that an egg case had survived and floats to the open ocean. There, marine biologist Laura, it's spelled L-E-U-R-A, I don't know what that name is, Leora? Leora, Laura, Laura, uh, Laura um, uh, and her fishing partner find and discover the Sharktopus's sole offspring. A possibly f- few years undated time later, the Terracuda is released and military tested. Oh. It's a barracuda with the face of a pterodactyl. <laughs> well, yeah, of course it is. What else would it be? <laughs> oh, you want to know some of its abilities? Yes, I would love to. Sharktopus can climb on things with its tentacles. Sharktopus is really fast. Sharktopus can jump really high. Sharktopus mm-hmm. can swim. Okay. Sharktopus can be on fresh air while other real life fishes can't. Oh. And Sharktopus can walk with its tentacles. <laughs> I mean, that's the coolest part for sure. I also need you to uh I need you to know that if you I just wanted to Google first. If I Googled like Sharktopus real, is Sharktopus real, etc., you just you don't find anything about the cryptid I'm gonna talk about, which is wild uh-huh. because it is a shark octopus. But you do find an answers.com entry where someone asked this very question and was told, There is not now, nor has there ever been a sharktopus. Well, that's just categorically false. So remind me again what the what the real actual name of this thing is. Well, I'm about to pivot to talking about the real actual thing, so that's a very good time to ask. Um, Luska, L-U-S-C-A, and then it's featured on the Cryptids wiki, is the name given to a sea monster reported from the Caribbean. It's been suggested by cryptozoologists that the Luska is a giant octopus, um, far larger than the known giant octopuses of the genus Enteroctopus and giant squids. The legend also said that it was half shark and half octopus. And by the way, Alex, in case you're wondering like what the order of this unfolding was, I did not look up Sharktopus and then find this, or nor did I look this up and then find Sharktopus. I just looked up ocean cryptids and I found a Reddit thread where people were discussing this particular creature and whether or not they think it's a giant octopus or a shark octopus. And people were like, obviously, it's not a shark octopus. It's clearly just a giant octopus. And I thought, fools. And so I did more research and then it became the subject of this episode. <laughs> Well, I'm here for it. I knew I wanted to do something in the ocean because it's been a while and also it's the summertime. So beach, you get it. Oh, I definitely get it. Yeah. So uh, the description, according to the cryptids wiki here, we've got the Luska is said to. I'm also I'm going off the pronunciation that like I found if it's pronounced Luska or something different. I'm sorry, but I'm saying it's pronounced Sharktopus. Alex? Yes. I swear to God. (laughs) Please continue. The Luska is... The Luska is said to grow over 75 feet or 23 meters long, or even 200 feet long. (laughs) However, there's no cases of octopus species, like known octopus species, growing even up to half of those lengths. Um, To attack properly on the surface, it would have to have one tentacle on the seafloor to balance itself, which would mean that it is incredibly long, and also that accounts of it would take place in fairly shallow water, so it can have a tentacle on the bottom and reach its little, its big tentacles up over the surface of the water. Are you telling me that the sharktopus is always on its tiptoes? Yes. That's so much. I am telling you that the sharktopus is always on its tiptoes. Is this like when you first saw the picture of what alligators' feet look like when they're hovering in the water like that? Like, when you see an alligator's face peeking out of the water, just FYI, everybody, if you haven't heard me talk about this on the show before, it's on its little tippy toes under the water. It's on its tippies! <laughs> Other descriptions mention that it can change color, which makes sense because that is common in octopi. The supposed habitat that it lives in is rugged underwater terrain and large undersea caves, the edge of the continental shelf, or other areas where large crustaceans are found, which is supposedly what they eat. The general identification of it is a colossal octopus, but it's also been described as like a multi-headed hydra-esque monster, an octopus with the head of a shark, or a dragon-like creature. So there are some variations on its appearance, though there seems to be kind Mm -hmm. of consistent agreement that there are many tentacles. I mean, that seems like the easiest part to sort of come to an agreement on. The easiest thing to identify, perhaps? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 
And then, of course, like, on- you're not going to accidentally assume something has very many tentacles. It's true. Now, of course, on the Cryptids Wiki, they do also reference that a half-shark, half-octopus figure appears in the Sci-Fi Channel original films that I previously was discussing. So there's that. Sorry, which film? I'm not going to do this with you, Alex. (laughs) I'm not going to do this with you. So. Oh, that's what you think. I would like to hop over to Exemplar.com and talk about this piece by Darcy Nadell, who's a grad student who spends her free time writing and learning about cryptozoology, aliens, and the unusual. This is entitled The Luska Sea Monster of the Blue Holes. Now, this is specifically where this creature is uh, known to dwell. This is in the Bahamas. I just said Bahamas, like, with a lot of flavor, and I didn't mean to inject. Bahamas is what I just said. Um, Bahamas. Bahamas? The Bahamas are home to this extensive underwater cave system within the Blue Holes, which is part of an area of the Bahamas, and that is the structure that this creature is sort of known to or said to dwell within. So, side note, just really want to hit this very quickly. I think we've talked about the ocean a lot on here, but something I haven't hit on before is just the general combined horror of underwater caves, like ocean caves, because that's a really fun mix. You get the ocean fear... And then you get the cave fear, and then you get to mix them together and have just a really fun little cocktail of scary, scary stuff under the deep blue ocean. And uh, apparently, if those aren't scary enough for you, you'd like to toss in a a shark octopus creature monster dragon. I love it. I love that this is just sort of a conglomerate of really bad Mm -hmm. things. How afraid would you like to be today? The most afraid possible? Great. We can help you with that. (laughs) <laughs> Would you like to upsize your scary today? Would you like to upgrade to a large scary for only 75 cents more? Do you want to add a shark to that? So there are some uh, other varying descriptions of it in this article. Describes uh, that it has, sometimes people describe it even as just a vague evil spirit that dwells in the ocean, which is a lot. It has sharp razor teeth and multi-sucker tentacles. Some eyewitnesses describe it as appearing like, and I hate this combination of words, a squid-eel hybrid. Huh. I'm intrigued by that, that, that sort of confusion. Well, I guess because if it's a squid with the head of an eel, that's not going to look too different from, like, from deep, well, when it's deep under the water, from the silhouette of an octopus shark, you know? I guess so. You've got sort of the, the uh, cephalopod body and then, like, the head that has more of, like, the traditional, like, face and not the squid or octopus situation. Um, Yeah, that's, that's very fair. I guess, like, when I think shark, I think the number one thing that makes anybody think shark, and maybe I'm wrong in this assumption, but, um, I, I think it's the fin, right? Like, the dorsal fin oh, situation well, is, like, very shark. And, like, eel doesn't really have that. Well, Am in I a wrong? lot of renderings of this, it doesn't necessarily have enough of the head to get to the dorsal fin. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's the face. Oh, really? It's like a shark face. So it's not like a full shark head situation. No. It's just like a shark mouth. It's like shark eyes and mouth. And that could be any fish. Well, no. I mean, not every fish, thank God, has teeth like that. <laughs> Has those big old chompers. Not everyone, but like, but there are more sort of fish with like weird tooth situations mm-hmm. than just like classic shark. I mean, I, I know why you would immediately go to shark, but. Right. Now, here's the thing. Okay. I, I need to, I guess I just need to reconceive of how I was visualizing this I guess thing you then. need to really uh, check your expectations and really think about what you're projecting onto the Luska based on what Hollywood showed you in the movies that we're not going to talk about anymore. I didn't even watch them. You just said Sharktopus, and that's what I conjured I'm sure up. you've seen the pictures. You've seen the false ideals of beauty that the sci-fi channel is presenting of sea monsters. I, I really haven't, but I wish I had. I would love to fill my brain with that imagery. Um, also, I think mainly... But now I know that if they're a false prophet, I know that the sci-fi channel will lead me astray. So I can't ethically consume that content knowing now what I know. That's right. I can't go back. <laughs> you really can't go back. Um, once you've exited the cave and seen that everything inside the cave is just shadows on the wall, we're just really going deep into Play-Doh now. You can't return to the cave. I thought everything in the terrifying undersea cave was shark to pie. Yeah, or um, squid eel. I think this might be why people assume it looks like a shark octopus, simply because there's not a fun portmanteau to be made out of squid eel. Like what? Is it a squeal? Mm. <laughs> yes. I mean, you said there wasn't a fun one. It's right there. But it's already a word, Alex. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes it so fun and trendy. All right. I mean, I guess it does make sense because that is the noise you would make if you saw a squeal in the water. Mm-hmm. But anyway, 
If I may, if I may carry on. So this is just reading straight from the exemplar, uh, exemplar set here. Uh, many sources describe how locals feel about the Luska. Rob Morphy at Cryptopia claims that the Luska has ter- inspired terror among fishermen and scuba divers in and around the blue holes of the Bahamas for decades. Other sources say that local legends claim that the tidal currents of the inland blue holes are the result of the Luska breathing in and out within its lair. It has also been said that there are eyewitness accounts of the Luska killing people who get too close to its lair, even dragging people off land and down into the caves. The disappearance of swimmers and cave divers in the area is sometimes attributed to the Luska, and some sources claim locals have been witness to the Luska snatching people off the deck of boats. In that same vein, obviously, as you might imagine, the disappearances of entire boats have also been blamed on the Luska. And finally... Some sources claim that local fishermen will pass by the blue holes in silence, fearing the noise will attract the creature. Spooky. That's the end of that section. I just, well, yeah, I wanted to, like, let you sit in that. Yeah, I'm glad that you let me, like, just appreciate this sort of energy. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of, like, sightings, a lot of them are sort of the vaguely alluded to, like, people have been seeing it for centuries, or, like, the sort of, like, uh, dozens of sailors have seen it in the dead of night, like, the kind of very vague, Mm -hmm. impossible to check. Um, But there are a couple, like, sightings, real-life sightings I'll get to in a minute, sightings of it alive that I'll get to later, but there are also uh, some ties in between this and the Globsters, uh, something I talked about in a previous episode. Um, So if you missed that episode, just a quick little description, globsters are essentially unknown animal matter that wash up on beaches, like these giant, like, carcasses or pieces of unknown sea creatures that wash up. And there have been a couple that have been attributed specifically to this creature. Um, there, there, it's speculated, and I talked about this in the Globster episode, that the St. Augustine monster was possibly a Luska because it was, and it was found in 1896 on the coast near St. Augustine, Florida. That was mm-hmm. one. There was also a, uh, there was also the body of what appeared to be a giant octopus that washed up on the Grand Bahama Island in the Bahamas in January of 2011. It seems to only be the head and mouth of the mysterious creature, which led people to speculate how big the entire body might be compared to the size of the head and mouth. They assumed it was probably around 20 to 30 feet tall, tall, oh God, 20 to 30 feet long. <laughs> which would put it in around a size range that is beyond what normal, even colossal octopi are, and it would be in the right environment, the Bahamas, for it to be presumed that it was this creature. So naturally, the people ran with the story, and it's presumed by people who believe in the Luska, which of course you know I do, uh, that that was the remains of one. Now, of course, that version would be if you're not a Sharktopus truther, that would be if you believe that the Luska is actually some kind of just giant, giant, giant octopus and not a giant, giant, giant octopus with the face and teeth of a shark. Right, which it very clearly right. is. So, of course, there's some debate around that. Like, maybe this was just some other kind of octopus situation. Also, we don't know that it was actually 20 to 30 feet long. We know that some fishermen saw the head and were like, this is probably really big. <laughs> this is probably what... What a big thing would be. Pretty sure. Pretty sure that this is what a big thing looks like. Now, possible cases for existence. Um, Of course, I talk about this all the time. There is a lot we don't know about what lives under the ocean. There is... There have been so many animals that we thought didn't exist or were impossible that live down there. We now know about the existence of giant squids when they were nothing but legend for such a long time. We've caught them on camera. We found their bodies, things like that. So it's not out of the question, specifically if you believe in the giant octopus version and not giant octopus with the face of a shark. Uh, It's entirely within reason that a Mm -hmm. species of colossal octopus that we don't know about yet is down there. But also there's the fact that it's really difficult to investigate the underwater cave systems where it supposedly lives. The blue holes, which I talked about, they're these parts of the Bahamas and they look, if you Google them, you'll see what I'm talking about. They're these big, they're like blue circles of just like deep, dark, deep, deep blue water in the Bahamas. And they were discovered to be 
a vast network of underwater cave systems. And those are really difficult to get inside and look around mm-hmm. and explore. So we have no way of really knowing what lives in those. And there's not really a way to confirm or deny the existence of something like this creature living in there because there's not really a way to check, at least not to check really efficiently. There's also the fact that we have other right. large animals around the blue holes. We've got like massive sea turtles and like huge nurse sharks and lots of other animals have adapted to life there, which means that a large, large predator might adapt well to that environment because it already has access to these other animals there. And it's like a feasible ecosystem for it to be a part of. So there's just like a reasonable scientific case for its existence. Again, especially if you believe that it's just a giant octopus, even though it's more fun to believe that it has the face of another animal. Oh yeah, 100%. Now there are of course some explanations potentially, aside from even that, is uh, like the fact that we know about giant squids. Like giant squids exist, we have verified their existence. It's entirely possible that people were seeing, that people were seeing Maybe giant squids, like, they don't normally approach the surface, but it's entirely possible if someone saw, like, a massive tentacle broach the Mm -hmm. surface or something like that, that it belongs to a giant squid. Um, It's also entirely possible that the sightings are an oceanic phenomenon caused by swift tidal changes. These tidal changes cause water to be sucked back in through the holes, which are where the caves start, and they cause whirlpools. When the currents are reversed, that water forces shipwreckage back to the surface, which might seem like like it can either pull ships down or force the wreckage back up, which could seem like some something pulling a ship underwater, or it could seem like old wreckage that was like pulled in by some creature floating back to the surface there are like unusual current patterns around there because of the nature of the caves and the holes so it's possible that people just wanted to attribute that to some actual creature oh yeah definitely i mean i think that's that's a fairly human impulse too to think that the simplest explanation is going to be the right one and even though it would not be the simplest explanation by any means to think that this, like, very elaborate creature existed down there, if it's simpler than the scientific phenomena that we don't understand, then it's going to be the easiest one for our brain to hold on to. Yes, especially dating back to before people understood the fact that there was this network of underwater caves there. Uh-huh, absolutely. That it would make more sense to under... If you know that when certain ships are around this area, something can just happen in the water, something changes, and then the ship is either, like wrecked or thrown off course or pulled beneath the surface, yeah, you would want to especially go back a couple hundred years. You'd attribute that to a monster or to some sort of actual force, Mm -hmm. not just like the fact that the water currents create this natural whirlpool. Exactly. Now, this article does make sure to say, however, that while this other theory makes sense, it doesn't account for the other part of the eyewitness accounts, the part which includes tentacles and shark-like mouths bursting through the water's surface. <laughs> scary, scary. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. I'm doing like a little dance because I just love the like, I, you know, I'm terrified of the ocean. I, I don't like to go in the ocean, but I do like to think about it. I like mm-hmm. to play with that fear a little bit in a sure. safe environment in the very, very dry and non-ocean setting of the closet of my apartment. I like to play with the idea of sea monsters. I mean, I think that's the majority of what we're doing here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that is sort of the whole experience of this podcast is like safely visiting and sort of laughing at from a distance the things that freak us out a little bit. Oh, yeah. Side note, don't think I'm going to not get into this because I'm about to. Uh, this creature was covered on an episode of River Monsters. Ooh. Yeah, River Monsters, the television show. If Have you heard of it? I don't know it. I know nothing about it. It's just fun. River Monsters is a TV show. Um, <laughs> River Monsters is a like one of those, essentially, it's what it sounds like. It's a water monsters, like investigation-y show. It was for um, Animal Planet. Um, Jeremy Wade is the host. He's not a fisherman. He's an extreme angler Mm. in search of the biggest and most dangerous freshwater fish, the kind with a taste for human flesh. That's the, like, that's the, like, blurb for it. But Jeremy went off to find the real-life Luska monster at the blue holes of Andros in the Bahamas. Now, He was looking into kind of, from a very scientific perspective, what it could be. He was proposing like a reef shark, a tiger shark, some sort of local fish, or some kind of octopus. 
he his theory ended up being mm-hmm. octopus. I actually found a recap of the episode from Pink Ink Media. So that's like what that's what I'm reading from. I didn't want to sit down and try to find the episode to watch. Uh, so I'm just trusting this recap. But basically to investigate the possibility of this, he went to the Puget Sound in Washington State to dive with a giant Pacific octopus and got to see it and sort of comparing that idea like of what this octopus looked like, how it behaved with the stories of the Luska. And essentially his conclusion was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably an octopus. <laughs> Just so you, if, if you wanted to know, that's Good. the, that's the. Probably an octopus. I mean. Probably an octopus is still a pretty cool story, right? No, yeah, Jeremy says it's probably an octopus. <laughs> but no, it is still a pretty cool story. And I actually wanted to, speaking of investigations of it, I wanted to hop over to an investigation done by the skeptical viewer. This is on molopedia.com, M-O-L-E-O-pedia, P-E-D-I-A. Uh, this piece is written up by Steve Ramsey. And, oh no, sorry, it's posted by Steve Ramsey, written by Stephen Turnbull. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't understand. It's fine. Also, this version does have a rendering of the uh, of the creature as having a dorsal fin. So some renderings do show the shark dorsal fin. So, again, there's just a lot of debate about what it looks like. A lot of different sort of expectations of what the shark needs to be. Yeah. People are projecting what they want it to be onto it, you know, and they're not letting him be who he is. Okay, so members of the Skeptical Viewer, which is, as you might imagine, a skeptic group, uh, sent divers down to Mm -hmm. investigate a blue hole in Andros. Peter Douglas led as the boat captain, and Rufus Timer, um, who was also another boat captain, both claimed to have personally seen it. So Douglas, Peter Douglas, described it as brownish gray and about 40 to 50 feet long. He said that he saw it emerge from a blue hole long enough for him to see its tentacles and then withdrew back in, like, shoop, back in. So, the Skeptical Viewer Summary Report dated September 3rd, September 20th, 2009. They mentioned two readings on their sonar. They took, they didn't, like, dive, obviously, but they took a ship out with sonar. And the first appeared initially as part of the cave wall and was large, but there's not really any details. Um, it's... They say that the first thing they picked up was part of a cave wall, Um, though the writer of this particular piece does mention that it could have been the octopus anyway, because octopi are known to be able to change color to match their surroundings. So if they looked at something and saw that it looked like cave wall, it might have been a creature anyway. But that's also very secondly, they reported something of great size has gone through the tunnel, referring to one of the tunnels that a diver was in. They dimmed the lights aboard the vessels that they were on so as not to attract the attention of whatever is moving close to their small boat. Too bad is what they this person says, the writer, too bad is what they might have seen as they might have seen what they were tracking and the mystery might have been solved. But a view of the footage they shot revealed what might be a tentacle but is not definite. This led the team to speculate that it may indeed be a large cephalopod or possibly a large eel. So that's just a fun little bit. Even the skeptics are like, yeah, there's probably something there. <laughs> Real talk, octopi are so cool. Oh, yeah. No, they are. They're amazing. Like, even just like just regular flavor octopus is one of the most amazing animals on the face of the planet. Oh, they're incredible. Yeah, they are. They're just wild. They're so smart. And they're they carry all so fast. They carry all that beautiful intelligence in a brain that is shaped like a donut that folds around their esophagus so that they yeah. <laughs> their esophagus goes through their brain. And octopi are also one of the hardest animals to keep in aquariums because they can squeeze through any opening that is bigger than Anything. their beak. Any opening bigger than their beak and their beak is tiny. <laughs> yeah, they're not that huge. It, they're wild. They're just wild. They're incredibly difficult to keep in captivity because they they will they will figure out how to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's nuts, but they're they're so so fascinating. And the thing is, if there's an animal that's going to uh, take us over, it's not going to be. I think any of the animals we've thought. I don't think it's going to be Jinji Ito style sharks on robot <laughs> legs coming out of the water. I don't think it's going to even be monkeys or apes. I think if I think when the end times come, I think it's the octopi. It's going to be the octopi. You think? I think it's it's when they rise up and they decide to take what is rightfully theirs. They deserve it. I'd hand it to them. <laughs> Maybe they do a better job, you know? I'd give it over. Yeah. Like, all right. No, that's fine, honestly. Mm-hmm. If, if octopi came out of the ocean right now and walked up to me and in human speech 
demanded my credit cards, I would hand them over. <laughs> what need would they like, have for you your will, credit cards? You will do a better job with my life than I am currently doing with it. I would absolutely invite the octopi to do identity theft. That's fair. But also, like, I do have to say that I don't think that the octopus, because they are more evolved than us, I truly believe they're smarter than us. I don't, I think the octopi have figured out that there is no need for currency, that there is no need for money Yeah, in this they're going to transition us to a cashless society. So me yeah. giving them my credit card to be a show of trust in their system. Oh, being okay. Like, I know I don't need these. I'm handing them over. Every, every little bit of power I have in this capitalist society is going to you. I don't, I don't need it. You give the octopus your credit card and it immediately takes its sharp little beak and like bites it in half. Just shreds it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really cute. I like that. I like octopi. They do terrify me. Oh, yeah. Quick sidebar. I went to the zoo recently and they had an octopus there and none of us could find it. Like it was doing the thing. Like it was doing yeah, the thing they where they blend in. Crazy good at camouflage. Like... Part of me wonders if there wasn't actually an octopus in there and if it was a scam and they were just like, oh, yeah, there's an octopus in there. They're just great at blending in. <laughs> but Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be very effective is the thing. It would. Before I get into some more sightings, I do want to say, like, I want to talk a little bit more about, about giant squids, like, showing up in the wild and just kind of being able to, like, us when we've found, like, kind of how recently we saw a giant squid in its natural habitat for the first time. Because... Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize how recently this was. One of the, some of the most recent like confirmed footage of the giant squid is from like as recently as 2012. Oh, really? Yeah. Like technically, the first video footage is from 2006, but the first mm -hmm. like definitive footage, according to this piece on fizz.org, uh, discussing um, this footage captured by the Discovery Channel and this Japanese researcher, is. That, and, like, the Japanese National Science Museum talked about filming the creature at a depth of more than half a kilometer. Uh, this was teamed up with the uh, Discovery Channel. This is basically showing it in the depths of the Pacific Ocean in its natural habitat for the first time ever. Wow, that's pretty cool. And that was in 2013. Or this article was from 2013. It was in 2012. And I just wanted to talk about what it looks like. Um, it showed footage of the, the silver-colored creature, which had huge black eyes as it swam against the current, holding a bait squid in its arms. For Kubadera, and this was the researcher who has been, like, heading this search for footage of it, he also found the footage or caught the footage of it in 2006 and has, like, been part of this research team for a really long time. He said, It was shining and so beautiful. I was so thrilled when I saw it firsthand, but I was confident we would because we rigorously researched the areas we might find it based on past data. And it would have been, it had two of its longest arms missing, which we don't know why, which is a lot. Mm, um, interesting. But estimated that if it had been whole, it would have been about eight meters long. Wow. That's pretty long. See, that was going to say the first live footage of a giant squid was in 2006, but it was from a boat after it was hooked and brought up to the surface. So this is the first time we ever saw a giant squid in its actual natural habitat. And that was only about that was only about six or seven years ago. So that's what I mean when I say that we're discovering new stuff in the oceans all the time. <laughs> Let me pull up some sightings for you. Please do. You got that, buddy. I should also note that when they're talking about the giant squid, they said that its size implied that if it wasn't missing its two longer limbs, it would be about eight meters long, mm -hmm. which is, if I'm not mistaken, that's uh, like about 24 feet, right? Um, like, and some change. The uh, sightings of the Luska like, have it up to 200 feet. So just, I want to put that in perspective for everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> giant squid, 24 feet. Loska up to 200. That is so much. Take about like let's be let's be let's be casual. It's like under undersell it. Let's take about six giant squids and lay them end to end. <laughs> That's so much. Yeah, I want you to just sit with that for a hot second while I pull up these sightings. All right, sitting with it. <laughs> it's not sitting well with me, but I'm sitting with it. Mm-hmm. So uh, before I get into the sightings, actually, there's a little bit. Uh, this mysterious universe piece has a little bit more uh, kind of. Uh, in-depth description of what this environment looks like and kind of how the blue holes are structured. So I'd like to actually, I'll kind of give you that first. Basically, I mentioned this is Andros in the Bahamas. 
Um, and it's this very beautiful, like you can look at pictures of it. I won't belabor it too long, but it is, it's the Bahamas. It's about what you would expect. It's beautiful, like blue water and like white sand beaches and like, like gorgeous islands and like just crystal clear, like on, like as the waves lap on the shore. But on the Eastern side of the island, there's this really deep channel. There's the tongue of the ocean is what it's called, which cuts its way past the island where the seafloor makes a sudden drop from shallow coral reefs to depths of 6,000 feet. Again, a very big number. Yes. This deep water trench gives way to another ecosystem living side by side with those of the shallow waters, a pelagic ecozone often frequented by large marine-going mammals such as pilot whales and humpback whales, as well as large open water fish cruising deep beneath the surface. So that's part of what I was talking about when I said there's an ecosystem there that allows for the possibility of something incredibly large. There is a ton of biodiversity in this area. And then there are the blue holes. They are these steep circular underwater caves and or sinkholes, which are referred to as vertical caves. They descend down to depths of about 100 meters to from up, sorry, the shallowest is 100 meters. The deepest is 392 meters. Just for quick conversion for you guys, that is about 1,286 feet. So that's uh, a lot of giant squids. <laughs> That's very many. And they're called that because they look really dramatic. Like, if you look at photographs of them, which I encourage that you do, the ocean around them is like this sort of traditional tropical beach, like teal ocean color, you know, that kind of Mm -hmm. beautiful, like Pacific Ocean blue water. And the blue holes are this vivid, dark blue. Like they, when you look at the picture photographs from way above, like taken from helicopters, et cetera, you see just light blue water and then a circle, like an almost perfect circle of like almost navy blue. It is so dark and so contrasting. And that is wild. I would see that. I, rem- I can imagine being an old timey sailor and looking at that and thinking something scary has to be in there, right? Oh, yeah, obviously. Or it actually, it reminds me of almost... Uh, talking about it mentions the hydra when you talk about the multi-headed versions of the story which i haven't found specific encounters that talk about but i think the most when i see that picture i think of scylla and charybdis i think of the charybdis part Ooh, yeah definitely i think of the whirlpool yeah in the odyssey if you haven't read the odyssey there's a there's a whirlpool that's pretty much the whole thing but there's this massive terrifying whirlpool and that's what these evoke to me so there's just a lot of very kind of dramatic the odyssey comes up more than once here and it's also believed by the way that less than one percent of the blue hole cave systems have been actually explored that is a lot to take in yeah (laughs) all right all right all right all right um so let me scroll down to some sightings actually here we go some direct run-ins with the elusive Luska, some people who've run into it and lived to tell the tale. In 2005, an underwater photographer reported being attacked by an enormous octopus he described as being about 50 feet long. Now, by the way, that's two giant squids, just for context. That's two that's, giant squids long. All of these numbers are just so much. I cannot handle it. I know. Oh, I know. It's sort of like... um. It's it's really difficult to conceptualize of like when you hear like massive monetary amounts being talked about, like being it's like impossible to, for me at least to conceptualize a billion dollars that doesn't compute to my brain. Yeah, so I have literally. to sort of put it in like it's this meant like you have to kind of break it down into components. That's why I keep using giant squids as a measuring as a measuring stick here. I think that should be the new standard unit if we're being honest with each other. I honestly don't know how well that it would apply to general <laughs> measurements. Like, what do you... Pretty well. Like, it's .001 giant squids long. Like, if something... <laughs> like, mm-hmm. perfect. Yep. How many giant squids tall Just are you, Just to keep Alex? us in our place. Just to keep us in our place, you mm-hmm. know? I'm about one-fourth of a giant squid tall. <laughs> no, um... That's really tall. Yeah, that's too tall. Never mind. <laughs> So anyway, the terrified diver shoved his camera out in front of him to protect himself, and the octopus, conveniently, this is my editorial here, snatched the camera away before disappearing into a cave. He did not want his picture taken. Nope. Another man was swimming near a blue hole around sundown when he was violently yanked underwater. He managed to pull away and get to a nearby shore, whereupon he noticed huge sucker marks on his thigh. 
terrifying. Um, I don't love that. I don't love that. Also, like, quick note, if you're going to be swimming in the ocean, you really shouldn't be swimming uh, near, like, in the ocean, like, when it's close to dark. Not because of necessarily giant octopi, but if you're swimming around sundown, that is when sharks tend to be out hunting. So perhaps don't. But And that's not me trying to, like, bolster a fear factor of sharks. It's more just, like, respect their space like we don't sharks don't infest waters people do but just in general like for ocean safety like swimming safety surfing safety like don't really be out don't be out in the water like around dusk or around dawn because that's shark hunting times that's shark time those are shark hours baby Mm -hmm. you know adult swim at the community pool that's shark swim baby get out of there shark hours Mm -hmm. so another somewhat frightening encounter occurred when a crew of divers actively trying to catch the creature, so, you know, here we go, got more than they bargained for. At first, the crew of the boat came to the chilling realization that something large and heavy was pulling on their traps and breaking the lines. That was odd, but things got scarier when one trap was pulled so hard that the boat was dragged along by whatever it was on the other end at a reported speed of one knot. I don't know. I did not look up conversions for knots. I don't know how fast that is. I'm assuming it's kind of fast. I guess so. Onboard sonar at the time revealed what was described as a very large pyramid-shaped creature. After the boat was dragged some distance, the line suddenly went slack and the trap was pulled up, where it was quickly ascertained to be dramatically twisted and bent out of shape. The somewhat unsettled crew called it a day and promptly vacated the area. And now, um, sort I mean, of another... promptly vacating the area is really the only option in that situation. Mm-hmm. Now, this is sort of a sighting mixed with another sort of investigation really quick to top us off. There was another TV show that investigated it. There's a TV show called Destination Truth, which I believe is the History Channel. And they sent a team into the Bahamas Blue Holes in search of evidence of the Lusca. And they did find some stuff, obviously because it's one of those History Channel shows where they investigate mysterious things. They didn't find anything definitive, but they found some stuff that's fun to talk about and fun to think about. So they dove to a depth of 150 feet into a blue hole, and they came across this huge gaping opening in the wall. Upon finding the opening, they had sonar contact with something huge in the water. Team leader Josh Gates spotted movement from something enormous, which he had first taken to be a part of the wall. This takes us back to the octopi blend into the walls thing. Um, Although the creature wasn't clearly sighted, the incident was spooky enough for them to pull a panicked Gates from the water with great haste. So then after, I guess, presumably calming down for a minute, maybe having a chamomile tea, he went back down into a different spot. He dove down to 175 feet. God, that's, oh, that just gave, I got, I thought about it too hard. I freaked myself out. Sorry. Um, (laughs) And again, the crew got sonar readings, uh, readings of something large moving through the water. And he saw movement in the murk ahead of him, along with ripples and bubbles. But he didn't get a clear look at whatever it was before they pulled him up. In addition, cameras picked up movement from something very big nearby. The situation was frightening enough to convince the crew to turn off the lights on their boat because they didn't want to attract attention from whatever was down there. So there's no concrete evidence obtained during the expedition, but the team was able to analyze footage they had taken and noticed something that looked rather like a large tentacle. It was speculated that what was captured on film was some sort of enormous octopus or squid. That's what's up. The phrase rather like a large tentacle is... A lot. Oh, do you not like that? Is that not fun for you? I'm like, it's it's a large tentacle or it's not. What else What else in this world is rather like a large tentacle? It's a pretty singular experience, I think. Well, I mean, there is something to be said for the fact that, like, now it would have to be pretty big, but, like, there are some kinds of underwater vegetation that in the right situation you could mistake for a tentacle. I guess. I definitely know when I was a little kid and I would get seaweed wrapped around my foot, I would think I was about to be dragged to the depths by some sort of octopus or squid or other creature. Now, I guess that is fair, but, like, I still would not confuse seaweed for a large tentacle. Okay, you know what? That's fair, but also it is very dark under the water like that. That's true. It is really dark. It's very dark. It's very deep. And they have promises to keep miles to go before they sleep and miles to go before they sleep. I don't know why that decided. I decided to take a Robert Frost turn there, but it just was funny, I guess, to me. Sometimes and you just gotta, you know? I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, so I'm just kind of in a weird space. But That's and I fair. just 
And I just spent the last like hour ish. Uh, kind of lurking in the murky waters, pun intended, of one of my deepest, darkest fears, which is just that there are big, scary things under the ocean that want to and eat some us. some of them are rather like large tentacles. Uh-huh. And maybe some of them pull boats beneath the surface and take soldiers to their soldiers, take, or soldiers take sailors to their deaths in a deep, watery cave. It's definitely possible. <sighs> so I guess, like, to bring it back to the beginning... Since I'm sure you want to talk about Sharktopus, a movie I've never seen. I'm sorry, what? I'm talking about Sharktopus now. I'm giving you what you want, all right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just trying it, to get those, those numbers it. up. I just really want that SEO. Mm-hmm. I think people are really going to latch onto this episode for the same reasons they latched onto the incredible marketability of Sharktopus. <laughs> well, I think the thing about Sharktopus that actually, after all of my research, bums me out a little bit. Because I feel like sci-fi didn't capitalize enough on just how scary this thing is. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, if you've seen Sharktopus and it chilled you to your very bones, let me know. But as far as I could tell, Sharktopus is a lot campier and a lot more like uh, asylum film than it is meant to be genuinely frightening. Um, God, I love asylum films. I know this. I know this to be true. Some of them are actually (laughs) painful to watch, but every once in a while you'll hit on one that is just perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. No, it's true. And I do think that if someone ever wanted to and you had the budget to do it or, 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 or you could do it like people like a Blair Witch Project style film uh, where we never fully see the monster and we just see hints of it, perhaps something that looks rather like a large tentacle. I think you could really get away with a very, very frightening, a very frightening film. Ooh, 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 ooh. Nobody steal it. Nobody steal it. Consider has it, have you seen 10 Cloverfield Lane? Weird question. I haven't. No, I'm, I'm familiar with it, but I have not. Yeah, John Goodman and a woman are, are trapped in a room, and he's convinced that there are aliens outside, and she's like, uh, and she's like, you're, you're a crazy person, and then it turns out, sorry, spoiler, spoiler, mm-hmm. spoiler, there are aliens. And right, I'm just imagining, like, a submarine crew in this area, in the blue holes of, of the Bahamas, and people start getting kind of cabin fevery. They start getting kind of like tensions become high. Like maybe there's some equipment failures and the captain starts insisting that out the porthole or whatever it's called the yes, out the porthole, right? He's seen, he's seen something. He's seen something impossible. He's seen something terrifying and his crew are like, Oh, we have to get back to the service. He's losing it. And like, maybe like things escalate to violence. And then eventually it is revealed maybe through little snippets that this thing is real. And then that becomes the escalating conflict of the story. And I just think, it could be a really, really scary, scary ocean movie. Now you're basically just reinventing Sphere. I didn't. I've never read Sphere. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, this is kind of Sphere. Oh. I mean, it's not like entirely Sphere. Sphere goes some other places. But like, but this whole like looking out the porthole, seeing something very terrifying and it is a squid adjacent creature is very oh. Sphere energy. This is like when Mark Marin thought he invented Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry. It's Okay. All right, guys, you heard it here first. I wrote Sphere. <laughs> you wrote, Addison wrote Sphere. Michael Crichton who? All right, well, on that note, on the note of my total artistic humiliation, uh, I think that's going to bring us to a close. Uh, wear your water wings. Don't go swimming in the dark times, uh, in the shark times, and, like, beware of the blue holes, I guess. Beware of them. <laughs> Alex, any announcements? Um, we are doing a live show in Chicago on July 6th. If you have not bought your tickets yet, you might want to do that. There are about 17 left as of the recording of this podcast. Um, hopefully there are still some left. Well, hopefully there aren't. I'd love to sell out the show. But if there are any yeah. left at the time of this uh, episode release, you can find those by going to bit.ly slash cryptcamlive. C-R-Y-P-T-C-A-M-L-I-V-E. James D'Amato was kind enough to put together that uh, that uh, shortened link for us. I don't know why I could not think of the word shortened. I guess truncated <laughs> is what I was looking for, and I just couldn't quite <laughs> get there. Um, you nailed it. You're perfect. Never change. Thank you. I appreciate it. So that's the big announcement. That's like the huge one, right? Get them while they're get them while they're hot, fresh, right out the oven. Heck yeah, crunchy. I don't know. Get them. Really excited to see everybody in Chicago. So excited to get this uh, get this show together. I just got in the mail uh, my uh, special uh, outfit piece. Oh, very for the good, very good. That I'm very excited. Yes, 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 yes. Um, 
currently putting together some of my personal research for the episode. It's been really fun. I really hope you like it. And uh, yeah, very excited to see everybody in Chicago and have a real fun time. Yeah, so I think our plan is to do the core of our, of our show as um, listener stories. So yes. that having been said, if you are going to be at the show and you have a listener story, we would love to give preference to that. Yes. So if you have a listener story that you have not ever sent us and you'll be at the live show, um, send it to us and let us know that you're going to be at the live show. If you have a story you've already sent us before and it has not been used previously on an episode, like you haven't heard it, um, but you know you're going to be at the live show, feel free to like shoot it to us again and just let us know like, hey, I'm going to be in Chicago and we'll try to pull that one. And if you can make the subject line like live show listener story, if you're going to be yeah. there. Um, so that we can find that really easily. That would be so awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the plan is to mainly center it around listener stories with maybe like a few fun surprises thrown in. I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe. Hard to say. Hard to say. Hard to say. Life is full of mysteries. And that's, I think, if any, if we say anything on the show, I think that might be it. Um, yeah. But don't don't tweet me asking for more musical numbers. Just don't. <laughs> Alex has been through enough. Sorry. It just, I will not be able to pull something together that I will be proud of. So. No, it's, you, nothing, like, they can't ask anything of you after what you gave them on the, <laughs> on the 100th episode. They really oh, can't. man. So anyway, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we snuck that bit about the live show in there. Yeah, defo. And also, if you can't make it out to the Chicago one, like, we'd really love to, at least I would love to, hopefully, if this, like, if we don't, if we love doing the live show that we do, I'd love to do more in the future, like, down the line, if, if that yeah, works 100%. out. Yeah, uh, 100%. We definitely so are looking at that, I think. Maybe someday. Take the Crypto Keeper to Europe. Crypto Keeper European tour. All That's right. the dream. Um, no, that is the dream. Uh, so anyway, I think that is going to do it for us. A uh, quick reminder, because I haven't plugged our socials in a hot minute, you can find us on uh, Twitter at CryptKeepPod. That's C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D. You can find us on Facebook under The Cryptid Keeper or come hang out with us in our Facebook group, The Cryptid Keeper Appreciation Group. Uh, or you can, if you need to, send us listener stories, you know, the listener stories that we just mentioned uh, that we want if you're going to be at the live show. You can email us at CryptKeepPod at gmail.com. Again, that's C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D at gmail. So, friends, as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.